Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. I came to meet with Jesus. I came to talk to you about Jesus. I didn't come, I didn't come to hang out and come see y'all. You guys are amazing, and I love all of you, and I love being with you. But beyond that, I came to encounter Jesus Christ today and allow him to do what only he can do. Mm -hmm. There's a hurting world. There are hurting people here now that need Jesus to work in their life. And I believe he can do it. I'm going to finish up today on this weird little impromptu series we ended up doing. Three weeks ago, I preached a message about keeping our eye on the ball, talking about living in an age of supernatural distraction and how God was calling us back to a place where we were remembering who he was, remembering who we were, remembering the things that he called us to do and to not be distracted by the things around us that so easily distract us, but to keep our eye on the ball, to keep ourselves in the game, to keep fixed and focused on what God has called us to do. Last week, we moved on from there and said, listen, now that God has reminded us that there's a game we're called to be part of, and please, again, don't come yell at me after the service saying, you're calling the kingdom of God a game. I'm not calling it a game. I'm using it as an analogy. And after he has called us and said, hey, don't forget about this game we're playing. Stay fixed, stay focused, stay of the task on hand. There comes a training day where we go back to camp, where we go back to work, where we say, okay, it's time to go back to training and maybe remove some of these things, maybe remove this spiritual fat that we've allowed to attach itself to us, maybe get back in shape. We got to go back and learn some plays that maybe we forgot about. We got to learn some moves. We got to discipline ourselves. We got to go back to exercising. We got to shave off all these things that hold us back so that we're ready to move into the game like the King of Kings has called us to move into. Amen? Listen, uh, at the last service, somebody came up and was telling me and a couple other guys, we were just, you know, just, she was sharing something to me that the Spirit of God had said to her while we were talking. And she said, you know, I was reminded one time her son, one of her sons plays hockey, and one time as like some kind of special treat, they all got to go to a Canucks game. This was years ago. And uh, they got to go down into the dressing room with all the players down there. And so they were down there talking and, and the coaches were down there and the trainers were down there and the team was down there. And so this, her son's hockey team was all down there and they got to see all this and be part of it. And they were telling these young hockey players things that they thought were important. And they were talking about, um, Messier. Who remembers Messier? I'm going to be real with you. I don't like hockey. I think his name was Mark, wasn't it? <laughs> Sorry. I just don't like hockey, <laughs> but. So Messier was still playing with the Canucks and the coaches were talking about how this, she said at this point, Messier was at towards the end of his career uh, and he was like 15 years older than everybody else on his team. He was the old guy on the team. And, and the coaches and the trainers were talking about, listen, if you really want to know how this works, uh, Mark will, after he's done playing a game, will come downstairs, get some drinks, some kind of stuff, and then head back out for training by himself. He hits the ice again. He goes and practices. 
And the coaches were saying, if you're really serious about this stuff, because they were trying to encourage this next generation of hockey players. And they were saying, if you're really serious about this stuff, if you really want to go to the next level, if you really want to be the hockey player you believe that you are created to be, then it doesn't just take going to training camp for a while and then you get to go to the bigs and play in the majors. What it takes is dedication and discipline and training day after day after day. So even though last week we talked about going to training camp and being in training, that doesn't mean you have training for a season. You go into training for life. And God is continually wanting to work in you. God is continually wanting to point things out in your heart and your life. And it takes time. Sometimes we're not ready to hear the things that God has to say to us that he wants to remove. And so he takes his time because the Lord is a gentleman and he will work with you where you're at. And so he comes into your life and through training and through discipline, he begins to peel things off of you so that you can become the person he has created you to be. Now, once training camp is done, the regular season begins, right? That's when you move into the regular season. And when you move into the regular season, you get dressed up, you take the court, you take the field, you take whatever uh, arena that you are playing in. And so we're going to talk about today the playbook. And I want to tell you something about the playbook for a second here. The playbook is this. It is a notebook or it's a document or it's stuff written on a tablet that outlines and describes a strategy with detailed instructions on how to carry out specific plays and tasks. This is what we're going to talk about today, the playbook, okay? Now, in the sports world, the playbook is a highly guarded secret within each team. You're not allowed sharing it. You're not allowed just rolling around with it, carrying it under your arm, being like, this is my team, and this is our playbook, and we're cool guys. Yeah, our team's the cool guys. Here's my playbook. No, it's a guarded secret that you're not supposed to share with anybody. But you are required as a professional athlete, as a player on a team, you're not just, it's not a suggestion. It is a requirement to be on that team that you know the plays. Am I right, Brian? Your coaches expect you to study on your own time, to read through the manual, to see what this play is and see what this play does and see what your role in that play is. It's a requirement. And in fact, guys, check this. If you didn't learn your plays and you didn't know the playbook, you would most likely get canned because you're not pulling your weight. So, we're going to talk about the playbook, but first, before we get that far down, I want to bring up an athlete. We're going to have some crowd participation. How's that sound? I feel like y'all need to make some noise for a minute. You ready to make some noise? Okay. Who's ever been to a professional, like, professional sports game? Basketball or baseball or, uh, you know, when I've gotten a few basketball games, what they do is when the game's about to start, who remembers when we had the Grizzlies here? That was, a, that was a great short period of time, wasn't it? 
<laughs> when we had the second professional basketball team in Canada. We had our own, and, and I went to a basketball game, and um, what they do is they call the players out, and they call them by their name and their number, and they come running out, and they take the court, and they all line up, and then they tell them what position they are, what they're going to play. They all line up, and they, they usually sing the national anthem, right? And then um, everybody cheers as the player comes out, right? You've, have you ever experienced this before? Okay, so I'm going to call a player to the stage, and as we do, we're going to pretend like we're at a special, like a, a game, and we're all going to cheer. We're going to cheer like we're at an arena. We're going to cheer like we're at a sports game. We're going to cheer like we like sports. How's that sound? That was terrible. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to call the player down, and then you're going to cheer. Okay, so uh, here we are, the Vancouver Youngbloods calling down Josiah McGrew, number zero, who's playing shooting guard. Now look at Josiah. Josiah here, and he's, this is actually, Josiah is on a team right now called the Young Bloods. And this is his basketball uniform. I don't know why his shoes don't really match his uniform, but this is, he's got the jersey, he's got the shorts, he's got a number, he's number zero. Is that a good number to have? Okay. He's got his name on the back of his jersey. He's got this McGrew, it says zero back here. He's got the shoes. He's got the ball. He's got the shoes. Josiah looks like he knows what he's supposed to do, doesn't he? If you were just to look at Josiah, he wouldn't have to do anything. You would just say, this guy, he must play basketball. Look at him. He knows. He looks like he plays basketball. But here's the thing, guys. Any one of you could dress up and look like you play basketball. I could say, hey, guys, go outside, Josiah, and swap clothes with Sam. And Sam could come running in. And then we could say, look at Sam. Looks like he plays basketball. But it's not just about what you look like on the inside. It's what's on the inside. Sorry, it's not what you look like on the outside. It's what's on the inside that counts. So, Josiah, uh, here's a microphone for you, sir. I'm going to ask Josiah a few questions. And it's important because his, his questions that we're going to talk about is what we're going to look in the Word of God together with. So the first thing you usually do when you meet somebody who plays sports is you ask them this question. You say, oh, you play basketball? Yes. Oh, you like basketball? Yeah. What position do you play? Shooting guard. Shooting guard. Oh, okay, man. So like, what is, what's your role then? Like on the team, what is your role? Shoot the ball. Shoot the ball. Like anytime? Whenever I get it. Whenever you get the ball, you're supposed to shoot it? That's your role? Because your position is a... Shooting guard. Okay. And your role is... To shoot the ball. Because your position is a... Shooting guard. Yeah. So he's got a position on the team. And his position is a... Shooting guard. And his role in the guard position is to... Shoot the ball. Okay. Now, to achieve the role that Josiah has requires that Josiah knows the plays in the playbook, Right? Because there is a, to, to achieve, like Josiah could just run around the court shooting the ball wherever he's at, but that's not always going to achieve the desired result, right? Josiah could be at the other end of the court, and if Josiah just gets the ball, he's like, I'm supposed to shoot the ball whenever I get it. That's what he said. My role is to shoot the ball whenever I get it. But if Josiah is in the opposing end of the court, well, he's not going to really shoot from down there, is he? Maybe. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Benched. <laughs> 
So then, the, then what happens is, is there has to be set plays that Josiah knows what he's supposed to do to achieve the end goals, to achieve the desired result at the end of the game. Correct? Yes. So, um, let me see this. We're going to, we're going to see if Josiah remembers some of his plays. Josiah was in his, um, his high school basketball team and they were the provincial champs in his team like three years ago. And so he had a coach that was just loved to yell plays from the sidelines, just would yell at the top of his lungs. When me and Jen first started going to his games, we couldn't figure out if this guy was just angry and screaming at the kids or what the problem was. He sounded like this, do this. And we're like, our first few games, we're like, what is happening? Like it was terrifying, remember? Yeah, we didn't know, but that's just the way he talked. That's how, that was his coaching style. But Josiah had plays that he had to know. So Josiah, if I called out circle, what would you do? He runs over there. And wh why are you over there? Shoot, shoot. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, what if I yelled 41? What would you do? And why are you over there? Shoot the ball. Because your position is, and your role is, okay, so the, the play is designed for you to, are you hearing what he's saying? So there's a position, there's a role, and a playbook. And the playbook is there so Josiah can do what he's supposed to do. Okay, you can go ahead and have a seat. Run yourself off the course, sir. So we're going to spend a few minutes here together to talk about what our position, what our role, and what our play in the playbook is. So that we're all on the same page so that we can do the things that God has called us to do. And we can be the people that God has called us to be. Go with me to John chapter 1. This is where we're going to start at together. John chapter 1, and um, we're going to look at verse 12, but I'm going to get a running start at verse 10, because I love running starts. It says in verse 10, he, talking about Jesus, came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, that's the Jewish people, and even they rejected him. But verse 12 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, everybody say believed, say accepted. He gave the right to become children of God. Say children of God. Say I'm a child of God. Go with me to Romans chapter eight. <clears throat> We're talking about our position, we're talking about our role, and we're talking about the play in the playbook to accomplish the plans and purposes of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, New Living says, For all who are led, say all, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, 
For this spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. The first thing you need to know today, beyond anything else, is your position is a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are his child. And everything that goes along with that is now yours. Just like with your natural parents, your mom and your dad, whatever that looks like, and you are their kids, you can walk into their home at any point, at any time, usually, and walk into the fridge, open the fridge, and we eat whatever you want. You can come home and do your laundry there if you want to. You can show up and hang out if you want to. You can go use their stuff if you want to. Why? Because you are their kids, and you're part of the family. You are their heirs. And listen, beyond anything else, you need to remember your position in God is his child. Say, I am a child of God. That's your position. It doesn't matter how good you can shoot. It doesn't matter how good you can pass. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how good you can preach. It doesn't matter how good you can sing. It doesn't matter how good you can evangelize. It doesn't matter how good you can heal people. What matters beyond all of that stuff, and it's not you that heals them, it's Jesus in you, but what I'm saying is beyond all that stuff, what matters is that you are his child. That is your position that you stand and rest in. Okay, that's fun. That's cool. Let's talk about our role. I'm a shooting guard. What's your role? To shoot the ball. There's a role that you are called to play. There's a role that you are called to fulfill. I think there's a mentality in the body of Christ where many people think that because I am not a pastor, or because I'm not a worship leader, or because I'm not a deacon or an elder, or because I'm not an evangelist, that I am a second string player, that I sit on the bench, and that I'm only there waiting for somebody else to mess up or to fall down or hurt themselves, and then I get stood up and played in the game. But I'm here to remind you today that in the kingdom of God, in his game, in his reality, that you are all starters for him. And there is a role that you are called to play and fulfill. You're not just sitting on the bench waiting for somebody else to sprain their ankle, but you are there to obey and to follow his leadings and his directions. In his eyes, you're a starter. No, you didn't hear that. In your, in his eyes, you're a starter for the kingdom. Let's go look in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus, open our eyes and ears to hear and receive your truth. Matthew chapter 28, we're looking at the very end of the chapter. These are Matthew's last recorded words of Jesus. And it says this in verse 18. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I want to remind you this morning, before we talk about anything else, that there is no one that has a name that is greater or more authoritative than the name of Jesus Christ. He says, I have been given 
Wow. I have been given. I have been given all authority. I have the all access VIP. Do whatever I want, whenever I want, go wherever I want, and nobody can stop me past. I have been given all authority on heaven and in earth, in heaven and on earth. He says then in verse 19, therefore, since I have been given all authority, this is what I want you to do. Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Since I've received all authority, since my Father has given me all authority, here's what I want you to do. I want you. This is your role in my game. I want you to continue the mission that I came here to start. We call this in the Bible the great commission. I'd like to say that many Christians call it the great omission. Because we tell ourselves somebody else is going to fill that role. That's not my position. I'm a singer. I pray for people. I'm an intercessor. I'm a helper. I'm a backstage person. I'm a behind-the-scenes person. I'm a musician. I'm not called to make disciples. That's a preacher's job. That's a pastor's job. That's the apostle's job. But Jesus said, here's your role. Here's the position that you are called to play. Nadia, when you go to work, your role, the position that I have you starting in for tonight, is you are called to go into all the world and make disciples everywhere you go. So when Sam is at school, he's called to make disciples of Jesus. When Sam goes and works at the insurance place, Sam is called to go and make disciples of all the nations. When Jacob is driving around and whatever that machine Jacob drives around and does, whatever it is Jacob does with all those rocks, it changes all the time. But he's always playing with dirt and he's always playing with rocks. And wherever Jacob finds himself, his role as a starter in the kingdom of God is to go and make disciples of all the nations. You don't get to say, that's not my job. That's not my role. That's somebody else's role. In the economy and in the kingdom of heaven, you are called to go and make disciples everywhere you go. And here's the thing. Only you live in your world. Like, that don't make no sense. Well, it does, actually. Only you live in your world. Only you have your relationships. Only you have your neighbors. Only you go to your job. I don't go to your job. Your husband or wife doesn't even go to your job. Your kids don't go to your job. You go to your job. And when you go to your job, you are called to go there and make disciples of those people. What is a disciple? That's a great question, isn't it? That's a great question. Let's talk about it for a minute. It's this. Disciple means this. It is a follower of another's doctrine. It means that you're not only learning, but to become attached to one's teacher and to become his follower in doctrine and conduct of life. So who is our teacher? You know, so often we joke about in church, the answer is always Jesus. And I just set you all up for the world's easiest question. And about 6% of you got the right answer. (laughs) Who is our teacher? So we are called to go and make disciples of all nations. So that means your role 
as a child of God, as an heir in the kingdom, as a follower of Jesus, is to go into your world. When Dave is at work, it is for him to go into his world and talk to the people that only Dave knows and the people that only Dave encounters, the people that only Dave sees, and bring Jesus to those people and to make disciples out of them, not just converts. There's a big difference between a convert and a disciple. A convert prays a prayer, and you might not ever see that person again, but a disciple is somebody that you walk through life with and that you lead them and point them to Jesus, and it says here that they attach themselves to the teacher and become his follower, not only in doctrine, but in their conduct, the way they live their life. Are you, are you getting, are you getting this? Krista, can you hear me at the back? You're getting this? So your role is to go into the world and make disciples. You are continuing the work that Jesus came and started when he was here. You don't get to pick a new mission. You don't get to say, I'm coming up with my own mission for Jesus. What we are doing is we are continuing his mission. You are continuing the role that he came down and walked and made disciples of all the nations and brought the love of God to those people and brought healing and hope and freedom to those people. We get to continue the greatest work that the world needs. The world doesn't really need you singing their songs. The world doesn't need you like talking really well. What the world really needs you is going and giving people the hope and the freedom that can only be found in Jesus Christ. All right, here's the last thing. So we know our position as a child of God. We know our role is to go and make disciples. What does that look like? We, we watched Josiah. We would call out plays, and Josiah would run around. And every time he ran around for a new play, I'd say, why did you do that? He said, to shoot the ball, to shoot the ball, to shoot the ball. Because his role is to shoot the ball. So how do we achieve this this desired result. How do we achieve going and making disciples? Well, it says right here in verse 19 and 20, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then, wait for it, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. So you are called to go into all the world and make disciples, pointing them to Jesus and saying, this is what the word of God says. This is what you need right here. You are broken. You are hopeless. You are sick. You are lost. I, you're telling me these things you have in your life and you want freedom from them? Let me show you where the answers are. The answers are found in Jesus. In this word here, it says obey. I want to tell you something. And this brings us completely full circle back to three weeks ago. We talked about keeping our eye on the ball. This word obey, the New King James says observe. Does anybody have the New King James in here? Nobody's got the New King James? Okay, okay, on your phone, great. The New King James says to observe all the commands I've given you. That word observe is the word tereo. And it means this to guard by keeping your eye on. So we started off three weeks ago with the Spirit of God reminding us to keep our eye on the ball. And here we are today, three weeks later, 
talking about the playbook and what the play is and, and how we are called to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ and what our role in that looks like. In our role and the play that we are called to make, the, the move that we are called to make is we are called to go into all the world, making disciples, pointing people to Jesus and encouraging them to keep their eyes on him and his kingdom. The same thing he said to us just three weeks ago. There's one last passage of scripture I want to share with you. John chapter 13. Boy, you're a quiet bunch today. John chapter 13, verse 34. And I want to encourage you with this. So often, we seem to feel the weight and pressure of discipling people or leading people to Jesus, and we feel like it falls on us. That it's something we have to do that we have to help them get their life cleaned up, that we have to point them to Jesus. And if, if they don't get pointed to Jesus, it's because we've messed something up, we've done it wrong. But I want to show you something, and that's this. The key ingredients, listen to me, the key ingredient to everything you do in the kingdom of God is love. That is, that is the key ingredient. You can't get away from it. You can't get around it. And you can't really do anything without going through it. You've got to do all things in love. All right? So John chapter 13, verse 34 says this. So now I am giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus talking. He says this. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. 35 says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How do you accomplish all this? How do you play the game? How do you, how do you run the drills? How do you do all these things and point people to Jesus? The answer is you do all these things in love. Listen to me. If you receive God's love, if you truly receive God's love in your life, then you cannot help but love those people around you. If you have the spirit of God filling you with his love, then you will begin to see people in your life, in your world, on your playing field, the same way that he sees them and views them. And you will begin to have his heart for those people. You will begin to love those people like he loves them. You'll begin to think thoughts like, I do not want my friend from work to go to hell. I don't want this person I spend time with to die and never have me told them about Jesus and who he is. I love them. God loves them. He loves me. And that love is working in me and through me. And so I, I want to talk these people about Jesus. I want to tell them who he is and what he's done for them. I want to see these people that have been hurt and have been broken and have been wounded and are struggling through life. I want them to find the freedom that I have found in Jesus Christ because I love them. <clears throat> Boys, do we have the passion translation? Let's read this in the passion. It says, so I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I loved you. Verse 35, 
For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. The key to all of this is to love people. For you to effectively take your position, for you to effectively execute the plays that our coach, the Lord Jesus Christ, is calling, is to do all of those things in and through love. Stand up with me. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? Church is not just church. Church is a gathering of the saints and the followers of Jesus Christ to encounter him in his presence. Do not take our times in his presence lightly. Don't take them for granted. I want to pray for you this morning. And I want to pray I want to pray first of all that you receive his love so that you're able to love others. Because if you haven't received it, you can't give it away. And that's true of anything in life. You can never give it away, anything, if you haven't received it first. So if you're in this place this morning and you're saying, I need to receive God's love. If you're saying, I've never felt God's love for me. If you're saying, I want to feel God's love for me again. I've forgotten what it feels like. I just need to be reminded of how much he loves me. Then I want you to stretch out your hands to heaven. In this moment, I want you to silence yourself and say to him in your heart, I receive your love. Father, I thank you that all across this place, you are revealing your love for us. That people that need to feel your heart for them again are feeling it right now, fresh and new, like they've never experienced it before. Father, I ask that people who have never felt your love, 
that have never understood the depths of the love that you have for them. God, I ask right now that by your spirit, you are revealing your heart to them. Father, I ask that it's tangible. That it breaks hardness of hearts. That it melts walls. That it destroys chains, Jesus. I ask that your love breaks through all of our defenses right now. And overpowers any stronghold. Revealing your pure love and your pure life that you have for us. Jesus. I want to pray for something else. trying to figure out how to say this. Have you ever felt like you are a second string Christian? That you're not good enough to be a starter? But in your mind, you've thought of yourself as a backup? If you have, I want to pray right now for you. And I want to pray that God removes those things from our past that have held us back. And all I'm going to ask is that if you do feel that way, that you slip your hand up so I can see who I'm praying for. And in case I wasn't clear, I'm just asking that if you felt like your past has hindered you from stepping into who God has called you to be, that you felt choices you have made have caused you to never be able to be a starter in the kingdom of God, I want to pray for you. Father, you see these hearts, you see these hands. And Father, you know your plans and your purposes that you have for each person here. And I come against every lie of the enemy in Jesus' name. Father, your word says that when we come to you, that we are new creations and that our old past is gone. And so, Father, I thank you right now that you begin to speak to hearts and to minds, revealing truth and plans and your purposes. That you are restoring what the enemy has tried to steal. That we are rejecting the lies that the enemy has brought to us, saying that we are disqualified. We're not as talented as somebody else. We'll never be as good because of our past. But we are seeing ourselves the way that you see us right now in Jesus' name. Father, give us your heart. Give us eyes to see 
the way that you see us, Jesus. And then give us eyes to see those around us the way that you see them as well. Father, I ask for strength for those of us with our hands raised, for the strength to say, I don't believe these lies of the enemy. For strength to say, I am no longer going to be held down by my past that Jesus' blood has washed and cleansed me from. For strength to say, I am taking the court for Christ and I will be, I will do, and I will go everywhere that he has called me to go, be, and do. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.